today I want to talk about how you look. Is anybody nervous yet? And I'm not talking about that kind of how you look like what you appear to other people, how you look. I'm talking about how you look at the world, how you look at things, how you use your eyes, but more specifically, how you use the eyes of your heart, how you see the world, and particularly how you look at Jesus. That's what I want to talk about, how you look, because not everybody looks at Jesus the same way. And so I have two main scriptures. We're going to be looking at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, as well as the story of Jesus walking on water from Matthew chapter 14. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll go from there. God, I believe in you. Father, I I know you are real. I know you've sent your son. I know he is a perfect God-man, fully man, fully God, living a sinless life in the midst of so much resistance and trial, perfectly representing you and completing your mission by going to the cross to die for sins, to propitiate the wrath of God against us and to win for us a perfect righteousness that we get by faith. Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead and seated him on the throne of heaven and gave him the rule of the universe. And I believe in the day of Pentecost when you sent your Holy Spirit onto the church in a new and powerful way to accomplish the mission of Christ, to spread the name of Jesus around the world, extending your church and salvation throughout this entire planet so that the sun never sets on the church, so that every tribe and tongue would hear of the glory of Jesus Christ in order for you to win the rewards for your suffering, which is a beautiful, perfect, and spotless bride that will enjoy your glory in perfect intimacy with God forever and ever and ever. Amen. I believe this. And help my unbelief. God, I pray that you would send your spirit on us in a new way. And Lord, I pray you give us a profound hunger for Christ. I pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see the glory of Jesus so that we would stop being foolish and distracted and start seeing what's really going on and be captivated and transformed. And Father, I pray that you would give us a renewed boldness in the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. And amen. In the Gospel according to Hebrews, after 11 chapters of challenge and correction and rebuke, and pointing to Jesus and pointing to Jesus. And after chapter 11, where he works his way through the Old Testament stories, listing uh, stories of faith after story of faith after story of faith, he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all of the heroes of the faith, men and women both, who are alive right now in the presence of God, and in some sense are aware of what's going on on this planet, and whose testimonies of their faithfulness in believing God speak to us today. This cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You have a race to run. Did you know that? You have a race to run, and guess what? It's your race, and no one can run it for you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, your sister. I definitely can't. I'm running my own race, and it's already pretty tough. I, I can encourage you. I can point you to Christ. I cannot run your race. Only you can run your race. Are you running your race? We have a race to run, and we as a church have a race to run. We have a calling to fulfill in this time. We have a mission from God. We have a church to be and a mission to accomplish. So the word of God says, let us run this race that is set before us. This, this race that your life is given to you by God to accomplish. The course that you have been given to run has been set before you by God himself. And it's nobody else's race. You've got your marriage and nobody else's. You've got your body and nobody else's. You've got your gifts and nobody else's. You've got your time and nobody else's. And we are our church and not another church. We're not Southland. We're not the EFC, the EMC, the ABC, the XYZ, whatever else. We're like the one church in town you cannot abbreviate into a three-letter church. It's a major fault, and I'm sure it's why we have such a challenge growing. But um, we have to run our race, and we cannot run somebody else's race. We need to just totally stop comparing just give up on comparing who, who really cares what anybody else is doing as long as they're running their race and we're blessing them as much as we can. Amen. But we have to own, we have a race to run. As individuals, as couples, as families, we have races to run that are our race for us to own and to run with endurance. And the author of Hebrews says that the way you run this race and the way we run this race is by looking to Jesus. That's how you do it. You look to Christ. And in specifics, he gives us a few things to look at. And we're not going to go into any detail on this, but it's part of my point of the, the whole message this morning. He says, looking to Jesus, and then he gives you three things kind of to look at. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross for joy. And he's despising its shame, sorry, four things, and is seated at the right hand of God. Four things to look at. And my point this morning, kind of, part of my point, is that we're called to look at words. How do you see Jesus? You believe in the word of God. This is what he says, right? Run looking to Jesus, and here's four facts about Jesus that you can look at. Founder, perfecter, joy on the cross, despising shame, seated at the right hand of God. Behold him. See him. I've just told you about him. Now you can see him. Look at him and run. So this is my big point this morning. Look to Jesus. So easy, so hard. Run your race looking to Jesus. Are you looking to Jesus? Run your race looking to Jesus. So simple, so difficult, 
Let's talk about walking on water. I want to go to the story of Jesus walking on water and Peter walking on water because this story um, displays with human worldly physicality that this is how the universe works. We run our race, we do our job looking to Jesus. And it also gives us a great story about Jesus to look to as we run our race. What are you talking about? Well, let me read the story and and I'll uh, hopefully make myself clear. I don't m- mind a little mystery. It's part of the reason why you guys watch movies. You don't want to figure out what was going on until the very end. And so I do that every once in a while, sometimes intentionally. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the lake or the sea. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up onto a mountain to pray by himself. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Can you picture that? Twelve disciples, big fishing boat, pounding waves, wind blowing hard, middle of the night. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, note that, walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me, note that, to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw, note that, the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So what I'm saying this morning is look to Jesus. Run your race looking to Jesus. And let us together run our race constantly, consistently, effectively, powerfully, soul-satisfyingly, Holy spirit explodingly, there's a good word for you that you might have never heard in a sermon before, looking to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Whatever is going on, look to Jesus. However you might think you're doing, are you looking to Jesus? What's going on in this story? Well, they've just fed the 5,000, and it's been a long day, and so they're kind of tired, and Jesus doesn't want to be there anymore, and so he sends people away. And first he sends his disciples to cross a sea or a lake in, I'm pretty sure it's a sea, if I remember. Um, into a boat to cross this thing, and then he stays there to dismiss the crowds. And I'm not sure exactly what they looked like, but this was a crowd of people who had been fed by the five, the 5,000 plus. I think it was just 5,000 men. So it's a lot of people. So, um, you know, he had a lot of hands to shake. When we're done church, usually it's, you know, second service where people feel they can tarry a bit longer. It's a good 45 minutes to get 100 people out the door. So this was not an easy job. This was like a full-time task. He's like, can't pay attention to my disciples. Got 10,000 people to shake their hands and say goodbye. And then he goes on to a mountain to pray. And late in the night, 
it's time for him to join his disciples on the other side of the lake. He doesn't have a boat, and so he hoofs it on the water. Which is great, because it's like physical activity, so he's getting a workout, and at the same time, no vehicles necessary. And this is where things get interesting. And I want to just highlight the interactions between seeing and speaking in this story. Because this is really important to us. I'm, I want to say to us, we see Jesus through hearing the word of God. And I want to point this out from a story where people could actually physically see Jesus, but they didn't see him right without the word of God. Which is great news, because if you have the word of God, you can see Jesus even when he's on a throne in heaven. Which is great news because if you hand out a Bible to somebody, you can help them see Jesus even though he's on a throne in heaven. And they might never meet him until the day they die or the Lord comes back in his glory. So look at this. He comes to them late in the night. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. Were they seeing Jesus? This is the interactive portion. Were they seeing Jesus? Were, were they seeing Jesus? Did they see Jesus? Yes, they did. Did they see him right? No. And I get really kind of really curious about this because, um, you know, these guys are Jews. And in the Jewish culture, they didn't really have this, or like biblically at least, they didn't have this great um, resource of believing that ghosts wandered the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you read through the Old Testament, how many ghost stories are there? Yeah, one. Samuel comes back from the dead, and we're not even totally sure if Saul could see Samuel or if just the, the, the necromancer lady, which is not a job anybody here should be involved in. But I do have to say it in church, because sometimes people do do weird things. Don't communicate with the dead. It doesn't please the Lord. And it can happen. So, okay, close parentheses. There's just like one story where Samuel comes back, and uh, that's like the only ghost story from the Old Testament. But So they're rowing in the middle of the night, and they see somebody out there, and they, they freak out. It's a ghost! Now, we can have sympathy with them, because on the other hand, there's not a lot of people walking on water in the Old Testament either. So, you know, this is a new thing. This is brand new. This is kind of like... They could have copyrighted this thing and made a lot of money off of it. It's just like, I'm first water walker, little R in a circle on the bottom there, and uh, be in, have the property rights of it. But So they see Jesus, but they don't see Jesus. And because they don't see him clearly, they're afraid. Okay, Just so you know, that's not uncommon. For people to see Jesus, kind of, through preaching, through the Bible, through whatever, and be afraid because they don't know the whole story yet. This is my testimony. I've shared this before, but I'll keep sharing it. Um, I only became a Christian because as I began to know more about God, I really got afraid. God did me the really great favor of when people were praying for my salvation, he just started helping me feel guiltier and guiltier and guiltier about my godless, lust-filled, self-absorbed, selfish, money-loving life. 
so that when my friends started actually trying to tell me the gospel, and they were trying to be so nice about it. They were, you know, sometimes you're talking with somebody and you only want to present the best side. You can kind of feel like the scripture is kind of like got this ugly side and this really great side. It's got like model side. It's like two-faced, you know what I mean? It's got like the handsome lawyer side and the ugly burned acid side. And we only try to just shoot the handsome side. God loves you and, you know, he's got a great plan for your life and you can go to heaven. And I just totally knew that uh, there was a problem because I was a sinner. So anytime they mentioned holiness, justice, judgment, I, I knew that I actually deserved all that stuff. And you know what? I was right. And so I was finding out about Jesus and I was scared. And rightly so. Because I hadn't been, I hadn't heard everything yet. I hadn't been, had the word of God come to me in a more complete way. And so here's Jesus standing on the water and hearing them screaming, and he speaks to them. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Does he make the storm stop? No. Does he make the wind die down? No. Do the waves go away? No. Does he make the sun come up so that they can see him with his physical eye? With their physical eyes, sorry. No. What is the remedy for them seeing Jesus but not seeing Jesus? He speaks the word of God to them. It's me. Don't be afraid. And he expects them to not be afraid, even though all of their troubles of being in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, have not changed even a little bit. He says, I'm here. It's time to not be afraid. So I want you to see how seeing and the word of God go together for us. We see Jesus truly by hearing his words. Amen? And this is part of the point of the story that Matthew is telling us. Now, Peter has a really interesting reaction. Amen? He says to Jesus, if it's you, and I think he knows it's Jesus. This is one of those moments where he probably had a lot more adrenaline than brains running around inside of his system. And uh, he just says, okay, well, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I, I just... It's probably because of my personality. I cannot figure out why this his, was his response. He, was he like some X Games adrenaline junkie? Just, just what else are you going to do yeah. <laughs> when your Lord's not standing on the water besides wanting to be out there with him? Well, I guess there's that. None of the other disciples obviously felt that way. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Why could Jesus, sorry, why could Peter stand on the water? Amen. Because Jesus said, come. Okay? That's why it worked. 
And this, and this is exactly how the story goes. If this is you, God, tell me to come out there. Because if you call me out there, this will work. Amen? Something to remember for churches looking at humongous things they can't do in their own strength. If this is you, Lord, you let us know. Because if it's you, it's going to work. But if it's not you, we don't want to go for a swim. Amen? Because this isn't normal to walk on water. So it all depends on the word. What's God, what's God saying? Because if he says, come on out, it'll work. So I got a little pot out here. Some of you were wondering. I'm trying to put it somewhere where I don't see any open wires or outlets, so we should survive this. Amen? Okay. What normally happens? This is important that you guys play along here. What normally happens when you stand on water? What normally happens? Interactive portion, you sink, right? You don't stand on it. (sighs) I'm just kidding. This is not the Lego movie. You go through it. That's the whole point of water. That's normal. And so I'm not even going to pray. I'm not going to ask. It it would be hilarious if I tried to jump in here and all of a sudden I was six inches taller than I was before. I would be the first one to probably have a heart attack and fall over and die. And so please have 911 on your emergency dial right now while we do this. But I have full expectation just to hit, hit the bottom of the pot because that's usually what God wants to happen when people get on water. Okay, ready? Should I jump in like both feet at the same time? Why not? Come on, this is my one chance to kind of appear physical. I can do this, I can do this. Okay. Mini baptism. So that's that's what happens normally, right? Okay, I just wanted to demonstrate that. This is an important fact. Because the point of this story, one of the points, there's always multiple things going on, is that when you are looking to Jesus and believing what he says, you're standing on the water, amen? And this is super important because of how Jesus responds to Peter when Peter starts to sink, okay? How does Jesus respond? When Peter sinks and they get back to the boat, Jesus says what to Peter? He says, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? Thank you for that. He actually nicknames him. It's one word in Greek, little faith. He says, little faith, why did you doubt? It's like this little kind of not complimentary nickname. Hey, little faith, how's it doing? Remember when you got soaking wet because you wouldn't believe in me? Yeah, that was funny. Okay, see you later, little faith. Go catch some fish. You know, it's just this kind of like jokey nickname almost that he calls them. And in English, we have to turn it into this long phrase. But Jesus... The thing that that gets me about this is like there are times when when Jesus is really impressed with people's faith. Sometimes. Sometimes he's merciful on a little bit of doubt. This time he's ruthless with Peter. Like, what's wrong with you? And and you could almost think like Peter could just say, what are are you talking about? I'm going to go down in history as the only non-divine person to ever stand on water. 
where's my encouragement? And, you know, we would probably expect Jesus to say, good job, Rob, good job, standing on the water, had a little wobbly moment there, but, you know, you, that was amazing, and I'm so impressed. None of that, just none, zero, zero compliment, zero encouragement, nothing, just you blew it with your doubting. And I, have, I, I, I wrestle with this. Why the severity? Amen? Isn't that a good question? Why so severe, Jesus? And I think the point is this. Uh, Jesus is always teaching. And Peter's going to be a preacher of the gospel. And in that moment when Peter is out of the boat trusting in the word of Christ, come. And looking to Jesus, that is the gospel. That is the gospel. If you look to Christ and believe in the word of God so that you come to him, you will stand on that which should kill you. Being in the middle of an ocean, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night is death. You die. Unless you can stand on the water, and then you're okay. And this picture is a picture of every Christian coming to Christ. Believe in my word, and look to me, and you will not sink down into the depths of your sin. You will not sink down into the death of being a sinner in God's presence. You will not sink down into the wrath of God. You will stand with me where I am, wherever I go. This is a picture of the gospel. You see, can you picture Peter standing out there, standing impossibly on the waves because he's with Jesus, looking to Jesus, trusting in the word of Jesus, and this is our salvation. How come you are perfectly righteous in God's sight? Is that normal? No, normal is going down into the water. Normal is being destroyed. Normal is dying. But you stand with Christ in his righteousness because you're looking to him and trusting in his word, and you heard him call. He said, come. And you got out of the boat. Amen? This is, this is all of us. Christian, you are not normal. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And it's not just because I know you. Or you're at Calvary Chapel. We are the weird church in town. But in a good way. If you're in Christ, you are something that is not supposed to happen. You are a perfectly righteous sinner. That's impossible. You are a rebel against God who is a treasured, adopted son or daughter. That's not supposed to happen. You're standing on the water with Christ. Amen? That's who you are. And so I think that's why Jesus is so severe to Peter when he, when he falters. He's like, you're ruining the gospel! Not exactly, but he's like, you need to believe because it's by faith. Because it's by faith. Because it's all by faith. You look to me, you trust my word, you go where I send you, and it's all by faith. And so when it went wrong, rebuke. Not better luck next time. Just none of this. This is not okay. 
It's faith, it's faith, it's faith. Look to me, believe me, look to me, believe me. Anything is possible if you will look to me and believe me. Everything is possible if you look to me and believe me. If you'll obey, you stand on the water. Amen? Okay. So what went wrong with Peter? His circumstances became greater than Jesus. Wonderful. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And this is, this is so instructive because who is in control of whether or not Peter's on top of the water or under, sinking into the water? It's God, okay? Peter isn't in control of any of his, his height, in the water. He, the natural physics is he, if he was rather plump, he would be quite buoyant. If he's too skinny or muscular, down he goes. That's physics, but on the water, sinking in the water, that's just God in control of all of that. And so this is all lesson, okay? This is not like there's some mystical law where, you know, if you're half full of faith, you just go up to your hips, and if you're all the way full of faith, you're just your toes are wet. It's not a law. This is just God teaching. And so as soon as Peter's like, well, that wind is getting pretty heavy. God's like, I'm going to teach him a lesson. Blah, 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 blah. Because the big message of the entire Bible is look to Jesus and believe the word of God and you will be saved. And look away from Jesus for whatever reason. And it's not going to be easy for you. And if we look away in idolatrous worship, or we look towards ourselves with selfish worship, it's not okay. It's not going to be okay. It'll never be okay. Now here's the good news. Is Jesus a merciful Savior? Amen. So Peter's getting doubt waves over him. He's sinking. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus grabs him. And again, this is so for our instruction. What happens when we doubt and we take a wrong turn and we falter and we fail? What, what are we called to do? Cry out, Jesus, save me. And what does he do? He grabs us because we're not on our own and it's not just about us and we're not just working some kind of kingdom mathematics where we have a certain amount of faith and God is allowed to do a certain amount of stuff. No, he's teaching us how to believe in him and when we blow it, we cry out and he comes to the rescue again because he's in charge and he's our savior and he loves us and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead and he is ruling over the world and he is the boss of this church and he has a plan and he wants us to look to him with faith, and when it falters, you cry out and he rescues you. And he expects you to learn a lesson from it. Amen? So, you can't lose with Jesus. There's, a, there's different things you can learn, but you won't lose. There's different amounts of wetness. Amen? You notice how I rolled up my pants? Like, there's a different amount of wetness 
but you're with the Lord. And you can say, God, I want more faith, and I'm so grateful that you catch me when I don't have the faith that I needed to have. Amen? Isn't that good news? And both of these things are looking to Jesus. Jesus, you're the guy on the trapeze that I'm trying to flip to, and you're also my safety net. I'm looking to you both ways. And that's a great way to wake up in the morning. God, with you, I can do great things. And if I totally, totally mess it up, you're there to catch me. Either way, it's Jesus. Amen? And it says, after Jesus had that correction, it says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. That's how you know that class time was over. It's like the ringing of the bell at the end of the school day. Don't need the storm anymore. It's done its job. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Okay, when you read a story in the Gospels, usually the point of the story is within the last couple of verses. There's like this zinger or this line that kind of lets you know why the gospel writer is telling this story. And this is, Matthew's just saying, this is why I'm telling you this story. This is part of the disciples' journey of figuring out that Jesus isn't just some teacher or a miracle worker. He's not just like Dr. Strange with some crazy magic ring. He's, he is the son of God. So he walks on water when he wants to. And he can make other people walk on water when he wants to. And he can catch them when they falter. And he can rebuke whoever he wants, even if they were doing something amazing. If he finds fault with it that he wants to correct, he's able to do that. And then whenever he wants to, all the storms go away. And they worshiped him as the son of God. And the reason we, as Calvary Chapel, need to hear that is because Matthew and the Spirit of God are saying to us, this is how you worship Jesus as the Son of God. Not just as your buddy. Not just as your pick-me-up. Not just as your cup of coffee in the morning. Not just as your ticket to heaven. This is how you treat him as the Son of God. You look to him, you look to him, you look to him, you believe his word, you step out of the boat, you take a risk, you look to him, you step out of the boat, you believe his word, you take a risk, you look to him, you step out of the boat, you take a risk, you believe his word, and you don't expect the storms to go away until Jesus is done with the storm. Amen? Most of your storms, most of our storms are there because we need to find out what it really means to worship the Son of God. Amen? Okay. So, would you like a little idea of how to apply this? Close your eyes. You don't have to. I know some people aren't comfortable doing that. That's fine. And just picture Jesus standing on the water in front of you. Don't look down but just know that you're standing on the water with him and the weather is not good. But just look to him. If you look at him, you won't sink. And now you can take that picture or the picture of Jesus on the cross in your Holy Spirit-led imagination or the picture of Jesus raised from the dead or the picture of Jesus suffering his tortures or the picture of Jesus arguing with the Pharisees or the picture of Jesus showing kindness to the poor and the lepers or the picture of Jesus being merciful to the women caught in adultery or the women caught in prostitution, you can picture him and you can see him before you. And you can say, as I'm looking to Jesus and believing in the word of God, I will stand. Amen.
as you look to him and you keep running your race, you'll stand. As you believe his word and you see him as he comes to us through the inspired word of God, you, it won't be pleasant very often, but you won't be overcome. And if you fall, he will grab you. Amen? Father, thank you so much for this time and this encouragement, Christ. Thank you so much for just this simple call, looking to Jesus. And thank you that this does matter. Getting up, looking to Jesus, going to work, looking to Jesus, coming to church, looking to Jesus, this really does change the world. And so God, would you help us to do this thing that is so easy and so hard for your glory. Amen.